Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm good. We're back at it again. We've got another great episode lined up no for our listeners today. No guests, just me and if you. I, uh, I, we're already off to a bad start. <laughs> Now we got a lot of great stuff. We're looking at Revelation, going to chapter six and chapter seven. We got great news. We got fast news. We've got stuff from Did You Know? We've got a great show. It's gonna be a fantastic time. But Steve, before we before we get to anything, we gotta end this song. Here we go. Hey Chris, I want to talk first of all. Tell you our well, our listeners, all six of them or seven of them. I know we've had somebody who said they're the eighth, but either way, for all of you. Uh, last, uh, well, actually in December, I was going to say last month, but last month is January. Yep. So in December, we asked our listeners if they would stand with us and they did. And we really appreciate it. We've added a little bit of equipment here as a result that makes our podcast clearer and better. Uh, we can't do anything about the way we speak, but at least the (laughs) equipment we don't have an excuse. But we also, and I want to be transparent, we added a luxury here, Chris, a luxury. But we've shared it with all kinds of people who are learning from us. We bought a refrigerator. That's right. We finally have something to put. We had a little box over here for our drinks or when our guests would come in, they could pop open. And it's lukewarm, like what we discussed (laughs) of the seven churches, uh, Laodicea. That's Uh, right. We don't like lukewarm. So we have drinks in the fridge and people are we offer them a drink. That's I right. love it. It's a fun little add-on to our little world that we have here in our podcast room. You know what else we did too, Steve, with the funds uh, it, that we have the nice fridge that that's there. But we're also in the works of building out an online program for FOI Equip, where people can go to access everything from the classes that they hear on on uh, uh, live on on uh, Zoom. All the notes, all the slides, all of it in one place, easy access, streamable, so you could you can watch the teaching in your Sunday school, in your Bible study, in your home group. So the money is not only going to the nice refrigerator that keeps our drinks cool, that's a luxury, like you said, but it also, we have the blessing of being able to create a spot for our equippers to go Look to. Look at the way, what a contrast here between a <laughs> person who cared. Look, the word you did, oh, it's wonderful. That's that's where your heart is. Where's mine? In the refrigerator. <laughs> he loves, I love being <laughs> Hamish. I want to invite people over. Oh, yeah. No, your hospitality. Uh, no, no I, but it's a great contrast. Here was money given, and what do I th- What do I say? The fridge. We got snacks, we got uh, drinks, and we can accommodate people. That's Hamish. That's hey, important. Hospitality. Is, but that, you, is that a Yiddish word? Hamish? Oh, yeah. yeah. What does that mean? Hamish means that you're you're uh, a person who's Hamish is very welcoming. They love their they have the gift of hospitality. hospitality. Okay. It's you're in, Hamish. My wife is Hamish. I come along for the ride. Well, I mean, people should know that the reason that you and I have known each other for so long is because of your Hamish. Uh, hospitality, because you always invited me over for dinner. And whenever that's right, whenever I was hanging out with your sons Sam and John after youth group at church and all that, uh, I'd come over and you would always say, "Hey, you, you're sticking around for dinner." And you always fed me, and you kept feeding me and feeding me. So you were Hamish beyond belief. Was, well, I, I think I financed it, but my wife was the one to execute it. She's really good. But it's interesting because the story we still tell about. That goes back. I don't know. You were. I think you were just driving, uh, and uh, I evidently had come over enough. And your mom rebuked you, and you came over with this <laughs> wonderful rebuked. cake. And the, we had Alice's sister over. It's both her sisters, and the uh, our kids were there. And everybody, you walked into the kitchen. I from the kitchen into the dining room with this cake, and everybody went. Ooh, and you, and you said, my mom made me buy this. Do you remember that? I do. I remember coming over your house so much. My mom says, you know, you're, you got to come home sometimes. And then she goes, if you're going over there for dinner all the time and you're eating your food, you have to bring a gift. And I go, okay. She goes, stop by the diner on the way to the Herzig's house, pick up a nice cake and bring it in. And uh, 
Did she give you the money for it? I can't remember. <laughs> Probably she did. You know, I was 18 or whatever, 17. But uh, I think um, it's a memory that lives on, you know. Well, we remember it and laugh all the time. <laughs> I remember the cake too. It was one of those big diner cakes with the big. St- I mean, I think I got the most, the craziest, biggest cake possible with the strawberry glazed strawberries you, on you top. You gave guilt giving. I remember <laughs> we got a gift. It's one of the nicest gifts. Uh, a turducken came to my house. Oh, that's Do right. Do you remember the turducken? I dreamed about. Evidently, you heard me talk about it. And sure enough, a turducken. Tell people what a turduck. I don't even know where you got it. Well, I I don't even remember either. Maybe I looked up online, but I remember you saying uh, one night when I was over your house and everyone was together, you said, you know, I want to try a turducken for Thanksgiving, which is a turkey stuffed with a chicken stuffed with a duck it's like a duck and a chicken and a turkey and it's, it's just crazy and then it's layered with what bacon in between or I, something I like have, that no i don't think it was unkosher i think it, i don't think it was kosher at a, from a, like a uh, a kosher for jewish people to eat but no there was no trafin there was no oh, okay okay so anyway it was layered with something in between and it was so i found it online and i thought you know steve is always giving so that's everything. guilt giving and we're hamish so what a <laughs> it, it, there there you go but the point is way back then, when we started was we used the money that people gave to better this whole experience mm-hmm. whether it's uh, a guest who comes and we're planning on having some guests in a few weeks Uh, to offer them a drink, or whether it's our vast amount of listeners who are equippers to be able to get to our site, uh, that that costs some money, which we're willing to pay. And obviously, those who donated wanted us to. So we want the whole experience, whether you're looking for an equip course or whether you're going to be a guest here sometime, we'll offer you a drink. All It's all for the podcast. It's all for the podcast. It's all for FOI Equip. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. Hey, a quick reminder, the sponsor of the Jew and Gentile podcast is FOI Equip. And we just wrapped up our Tabernacle series with Dan Price, which was phenomenal. We had almost 700 people register for that class. On the very first night that we ran it, more than 200 people came on from all around the world. I'm thinking of our good friend Roland in the UK. Roland from UK (laughs) never went to sleep. Never went to sleep. Was up till three in the... He goes, he said, listen, if I accidentally fall asleep, it's not because the teaching's bad. It's two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) But he stayed up the whole time. So Dan uh, definitely was uh, speaking his language, if you will, kept him awake, kept him uh, in, you know, in tune with what the scriptures were teaching. Um, All that information, if you want to watch Dan's class, you can go to our YouTube page, uh, FOI Equip, and you can subscribe, subscribe, and you can watch Dan's class. Now, coming up February 16th, we have a roundtable. The life of a Jewish believer. Or if you want to name something else, never getting a word in edgewise. That, that's exactly right. Who will out talk the other? That will be the competition of the night, you know? We're not betting people, but I would go the over on 20,000 words. <laughs> I like this. Okay, so we're not going to bet, but you've got a you've got an idea of what's going to happen. You know, I do know because yeah, I you know I follow what? sports. We, we, the over and under of points. You know, that's how people bet during these things. So we could do the over and under. Who speaks the most? I'm excited to see how long you all go. Do you think you're going to shut it down? Because you're a, you're a time miser. You like to hey, when that time comes and the 45 minutes is up, shut it down, move on. You know you. You you like that time because you you value that. I think you've learned over the years that you know when you go over time, you'll start to lose friends. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, as a speaker in churches, if anything, you want them to want more, not to say when is this guy going. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, but it'll be funny to see with our five Jewish believers. Uh, Tell you, us who they are. Yeah, Tell so, us who they are. Well, number one is the the big macher himself. Uh, well, no, besides me. Well, Steve Herzig, that's one. The other is the Mrs. Maher, who is Lorna Simcox. Uh, she is the uh, former editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory magazine. She ran it for several decades, um, our magazine. So she'll be there talking about her testimony. We have a former colleague of ours, Mitch Treesman, who's done Jewish ministry, continues to do Jewish ministry. Retired, but never retired. Never retired. You can't take it out of him. And then finally uh, is a couple, a fantastic couple who does ministry with Friends of Israel down in Florida, Fred and Eva Schweig. So they're going to be there as well. And I No nonsense Eva, whose t- who's tagline should be, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. I love it. I and Fred too. It's the passion is going to come out. It, everybody in that group 
has passion. There is not one unpassionate person in that group. I'm going to have to just say, everybody welcome and then disappear, you know? That's about it. Although Fred did say, hey, do do I have to prepare for this? Are they going to send me questions? I said, Fred, I'm not really sure that you need questions since you lived your life. Uh, (laughs) There's no notes to it. It's going to be what happened when you did this or how did people respond? He said, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. (laughs) He's a great guy. So we're already off to a great start. I love it. I love it. And then, hey, one more thing. So that's the life of a a Jewish believer roundtable. It's going to be a webinar, which means normally if you tune into our FOI Equip classes, uh, you you see other people. This one because we have so many um, uh, passionate people with a with a perspective. We're gonna give them the floor, so it'll be a webinar. So you won't be able to see other people, but you will see Steve and Larna and Mitch and Eva well, and. Fred. Well, you know what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter ten about our people in general. We have zeal. Yes, we have. <laughs> Zeal. That we have. That you got. Well, and they're going to bring that zeal. I know it. That's February 16th. You can register by going to foiequip.org. And while you're there, you can register for other classes like the upcoming class, Messianic Prophecies, taught by Larna's husband, Tom Simcox, starting March 9th. That'll be a three-week course, March 9th, 16th, and 23rd. You can register for that by going to foiequip.org. Okay, Steve, let's... um. You want to let's start with fast news. Let's start with fast start news with, before we go to did you know? All right, okay, let's so start with here fast we go. News. Here we go. Go ahead, Steve. Israeli officials arrived in Sudan to finalize normalization deal. That's big news, Chris. That is huge news. U.S. Jewish leader Daroff warns crisis crisis of divisiveness is tearing Israel apart, probably in reference to the judicial reforms that are happening right now. Netanyahu inaugurates Khadin embassy in Israel before flying to Paris. That's big. That's You're talking about, the, is that the Sudanese embassy? So that's a big deal. Um, an open letter to uh, Israel's friends in North America, an op-ed piece by Maddie Friedman, which talks about the diaspora Jews and the responsibility of the Israeli government because the diaspora Jews are not happy with how the Israeli government is functioning right now. Iran blames Israel, vows revenge for the Ishan drone attack. Okay. Attorney General, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu must not deal with judicial overhaul due to corruption trial. Smotrick doubles penalties for pay for slay withholds 100 million shekels. That's big. 100 million shekels to the Palestinian Authority for what they're doing there. Um, Okay, here's another one. Nixing the sugar tax. Israeli government dealt grievous blow to health world experts. So they're getting rid of the sugar tax. IDF strikes Hamas weapon sites in Gaza after rocket attacks. U.S. pushing Abbas on a plan to boost Palestinian Authority's security presence in Northern West Bank. Ukraine sinks five Russian boats carrying recon and sabotage teams. Big news. U.S. tourist arrested for vandalizing a statue in Jerusalem's Old City Church. Israel targeting Iranian arms flow to Ukraine, Netanyahu tells CNN. Government seeks extension on raising Bedouin Hamlet despite Far rights demands. Everybody, that is fast news. All right, Steve. I, think I we, love that. I know we did a lot better this time. I think we did pretty good. Well, Steve and I are in the talks right now of talking about shortening the fast news because there's a time, there's a point where I start to look to see how much time we have left, and I go, oh, oh my goodness, we still have half a time. I think a that I think that's when we do this now. People now who are listening, they say, oh, this is my time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> It's not the first 10 minutes that we're talking about nothing. No, that's the fast news. That's right. The uh, fast news, I'll get it myself. I like it. All right. Well, listen, we've also got our next section here. Did you know by Emily Stone? Emily Stone. We we have to, I haven't even looked her up. I should look her up. But uh, this book, uh, my wife purchased a number of years ago. Uh, I found it fascinating and it fell behind my bookcase. I brought it out. It was when the podcast started. Emily, again, we thank you. We never met you. We don't know anything about you. Except but we for do this have book. some drinks here at the at the if podcast. You, if you're room. ever interested, we got snacks. We got drinks. Come on in. We'll be Hamish. We'll be for Hamish. You. That's right. <laughs> All right. Just for beginners, she writes to quote the great Leo Rothstein, "Oi is not a word; it's a vocabulary." Hold on a minute. Oi. 
Okay. Whether expressing joy, surprise, disgust, horror, or a penelope of op- uh, opinion, uh, options. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, poor, poor me. <laughs> Emily Stone has also uh, taught us something about Stephen reading I as well. I cannot read. <laughs> In between oi is practically its own soliloquy. Indeed, never have two letters managed to say so much to so many for so little. Let's take a look at the expl- expletive that invokes a heck of a lot more than its pallid cousin, O. Mm. Oi, literal sense of oh no conveys dismay, frustration, exasperation, usage. Oi, this printer is always jamming. Oi, Aunt Sadie is coming for a whole weekend. Ay, ay, ay. Literal oh, pain, woe, oh, woe is me. <laughs> Conveys anguish, exasperation, lamentation, ang- agony, usage. Oy vey, Sadie's husband just left her. Oy vey, Zmir, the dishwasher is broken and the guy can't come to fix I, That's like a direct quote from me. Oy vey, Zmir. So those are the words from Oy. Oy. Oy, 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 oy Once oy. again, we thank you, Emily Stone. You know, it's funny because Emily Stone didn't mention this, but Oy is actually... Uh, it's in the Bible. There's a Hebrew word. I, th- I forget where it appears. And I think we might even men- have mentioned this on the podcast in the past, but oi is in, I have to find it. It's in the scriptures where it's like talking about something distressful and it says oi, you know, <laughs> in the Hebrew. When all else fails, oi. Okay, Steve, uh, we are in Revelation. We're continuing our study on Revelation. For me, I think we're at a good clip for Steve where he could always be moving a little bit faster. But we're still in Revelation chapter 6. We're in the breaking of the seals. We looked at the first horseman, the second horseman. Now we've got— We know—you know, I had a listener actually tell me, Chris, their favorite part of when we started chapter 6 was your four horses— of the Katolka house. Oh, that's right. Just so you know. Did I tell you that I have to pay money every time we talk about it now? No. Oh, yeah. My wife has said, you know, our kids are getting older now. And I agree with her. She says, you know, they don't like it when you call them the four horsemen. Like, they're not little tiny to- toddlers anymore. Now they're old, they're getting older. So she said— All the more reason they eat you out of house and home. Uh, it's All only- the more— Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to argue with well, her. Well, uh, she did implement a good system, though, which I think will be fun. She said, every time you do it, you have to pay them money now. Like, you have to give them a dollar for every— So it's, it's going to cost me something for the joke. Because it always gets a laugh, but it's going to cost me something. So— you know, maybe we'll take some FOI equip funds and put it towards <laughs> That's just a joke, everybody. Just a joke. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here we go. So, Steve, we have the third and fourth horsemen. We talked about the first and second last week. But maybe you could read about the third seal, which introduces the third horseman. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarii, three quarts of barley for a denarii, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Mm. When he, Sorry, go ahead. You want me to stop? Well, yeah, I just wanted to say, just so that people know what a denarii is, the, another translation says it this way, when I heard what sounded like a voice uh, among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wage. So a denarii was a day's wage at that, at that time. Fourth seal. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. When I opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And I looked when I opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs 
when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Mm. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So wow. We, yeah, that's a big one. And, you know, what's interesting is, again, uh, scholars debate on whether or not each of the—we're talking about the seals, and then we're going to talk about the trumpets, and then we're going to talk about the bowls. That's what's taking place between Revelation 6 through 19, and um, there are all acts of God's judgment on earth. Now, some scholars like to say that each one of those, the seals, the trumpets, the bulls, are encapsulated. They're all doing the same thing, but they're just in they're, they're different ways of explaining it. So you see events that are taking place on earth with the four horsemen. You know, it talks about the fact that uh, you know, that, that uh, two pounds of wheat for a day of wages is six pounds for Famine, barley. pestilence, death. Yep. All these things taking place. But then all of a sudden at the very end of the six, um, uh, the six uh, seal, it becomes uh, apocalyptic. It becomes very cosmic. Now all of a sudden we're talking about the fact that the stars are falling from the sky. And, and so, you know, some scholars look and say, well, the same thing kind of happens in the trumpets and the same thing kind of happens in the bowls. So they're all describing the same events that take place during the tribulation period. Others, and I kind of tend to agree with this, it's a bit more chronological because the John is 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 uh, unveiling this process that takes place chronologically over time because you're going to see how the 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 seal judgments roll into the trumpet judgments and that they they almost kind of overlap one another and they it, to me that overlapping shows that this is more of a chronological event than these series that are are describing the same thing. Well, what it does for me is just when the 7th seal is open, that's when the trumpets come. That's right. And when the 7th trumpet is sounded, that's when the vials come. That's right. And, and so to me it is chronological as well. It's getting worse. Remember the rabbinic uh uh idea of a woman giving birth it gets worse and worse and closer and closer. So the seals take a little bit of time, but the, I believe the trumpets and the vials happen much quicker. Uh, and it's also important to remember, too, as we're talking about the things that pop out to me in Revelation chapter 6, as you were reading, is that God's judgment is not—you can't buy your way out of God's judgment. You can't have a leadership position that gets you out. You know, you can't go, hey, God, you know, I, I led this thing here. Hey, buddy, can you help me out here? It says right here, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, everyone else, both slave and free, they are all in the same boat. They were hiding. They were all in the caves hiding from God's wrath. And I love how Paul, John calls it, what he calls it, the, the type of wrath. It says it's the, uh, the, the uh, wrath, wrath of, the lamb. of the lamb. Have you ever seen an angry lamb before? Never seen an angry lamb. So all these interesting play, uh, play on words that's going on, Jesus the lamb, who's also the judge, and he's bringing well, his judgment. You know, judgment. it brings to mind, to, at least to me, the carryover, the progression of Scripture. And here it's just from chapter 5. The lamb. Who was qualified to break the seals? The lamb. And so in chapter 6, when John sees these things, who is it coming from? The lamb. That's right. All these things are coming from the lamb. And there's great debate amongst evangelicals about what exact is the, is this really God's wrath? Is it man's wrath? This strikes me to me uh, that all these things together are from the lamb. Uh I saw I'm not a Star Wars person. I watch it sometimes and but there was this great uh scene that I my mind immediately went to the Bible because it was in one of the newer Star Wars movies and it's two uh, events that are happening in outer space and events that are happening on some planet. I don't even know what it is. But the one happening on the planet is between a Jedi and a Sith, you know, this like cosmic event taking place and they're battling one another. But how they battle one another in this, uh, you know, more spiritual realm affects the way that the people in space are fighting each other physically. So 
You know, oh man, I don't. Wow, that's interesting. It was. It's in one of the newer ones, but I'm watching it and I'm thinking this is exactly what it's talking about in the scriptures. That as there's spiritual warfare going on in the places that we can't see, it affects the way also that we as what God's doing on earth. So when you're reading Revelation, there are going to be moments where you see events happening on earth that almost seem like it's an event that you'd read about in the newspaper, but at the same time, there is a spiritual warfare going on in the things that we can't see, but they are having a direct impact on those events. And you see that even here as it's talking about pestilence and famine and the the economy being altered a certain way with the horses, uh, dominion, the Antichrist coming— all of these things are happening, but they are a product of what's happening behind the scenes as well. And you know, Chris, while all this is happening, individuals are being affected. Uh, there's going to be a struggle. because As we go to chapter 7, we're going to see individual lives that are uh, captivated by the one orchestrating all this as well. And so there's going to be uh, all kinds of personal experiences with the living God, as well as total rejection mm-hmm. of the Word of God. And uh, it's it's interesting how we get a—John has a big picture, but there's little things going on as well. It's kind of interesting. It is, and remember, John, we, we, don't, we don't want to remove John from where he is. He's still standing in the same place he was in John chapter 4 and John chapter 5. He's standing among the thrones and among the ultimate throne, the throne of the He's Father. He's watching a, better than Steven Spielberg. That's right. He's got the perfect view of everything going I on. I wonder if he had surround sound. I wonder, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. Well, I guess with 24 elders in a circle, it must have been Can a surround sound. I can't imagine him surviving this physically. It's overwhelming. It's just reading about it. Uh, it's it's really. I, I never really thought about it until now. I've had like a one of those moments. Think about it. He's he's looking at all this. I tend to put myself in the text where we are, but I can't. You're right. I we can't forget that John is seeing all this. And does he have the view of God? Is he just seeing things in one shot? Or did he see everything as God sees it in one time? You know, of course, we're reading it because it's uh, he's trying to describe it in this chronological view. But if you're standing there in God's presence, God sees everything from beginning to end in one shot. So, I mean— it, Oh, now now you got—I don't know what to—how <laughs> to think about this. Just a thought—I mean, I'm doing the same thing. I'm reading through and thinking, man, he's in the presence of God. That's got to change the way things are being—you're seeing the world, so— no question about it. Well, why don't we move to chapter 7 then? All right, chapter 7, Chris. And this is the link, Steve, where there's a break that happens. There's a break. T- uh, time out. Time out. That's right. In it's, Revelation, there's a time maybe out. Maybe he's taking a deep breath here. It's too, <laughs> I'm serious. might be too much for him. So now he's going to see something else. And what he sees after these things, it says... Uh, Why don't you read it? I I already read, so why don't you? Yeah, so the sixth seal is opened, and we read about that, and now there's a break starting in chapter 7 with 144,000. It says this, After I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any uh, wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels, who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. And then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And Steve, I'm going to read these really quick because I I think it's going to drive home what we're about to talk about here. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Nephtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. That's amazing. That is amazing. And, you know, it gets all different kind of reaction when you pick up various commentaries on the book of Revelation. 100%. And uh, I remember reading it 
on my own, first time with no commentaries in my head, no, uh, hey, uh, you read that and you say, oh, God is choosing 12,000 from each tribe. It tells you, first of all, that the tribes aren't lost, yep. at least to God, they're not lost, and that he's choosing Jewish people. These are Jewish people. The only way I could say that is because the tri- t- 12 tribes of Israel is found in the Old Testament. Yeah, very and, specific here. I mean, you can't get any more specific than this. Yeah, but when you read later, I began to read different commentators, and they don't agree with that. No. Nope. Uh, they say, no, this is, first of all, they say the number is symbolic. It's mm-hmm. a symbolic number. Then they say this is not of the. It's not Israelites. Uh, no, this is the church. This is the expansion of the church, and they are reach. They are going to reach out uh, during a difficult time. So I don't know. I have a problem with that. Yeah, I have a problem too because he could just say that these are martyred saints, or I mean, or sorry, saints coming into. Which he goes on to talk about that that there are a whole bunch of people. To me, a whole bunch of people who are believers who've died. Where did they come from? From these 12,000 yeah. preachers. And I also think that there's a transition that's going to happen here in chapter 7 where we're going to be talking specifically about Israel because he mentions them as the people of Israel. But then at the same time, it's going to transition to talk about, I believe, exactly what God intended Israel to be to be the conduit of blessing to the world that through the 144,000 when John pulls back and sees the he ultimately then sees what we're going to look at in a moment all of the nations and tribes that have turned to him. So I think what happens is a lot of times they conflate them together and say hey look this is just talking about everybody. It's not. I think it's actually fulfilling the mission that God called Israel to be. Can I read that mission really quick? I I think you should. This actually goes back to Exodus chapter 19. God gave Israel a mission when he gave them the law. And it's a a, a beautiful picture of how God was choosing Israel and the Jewish people. Um, And it comes from Exodus chapter 19, starting in verse 6. And so he says this in Exodus 19, verse 6, if I can find it. Here we go. Although the whole earth is mine, uh, now let me go back to verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of you, all of the nation, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. I see you got the Steve Herzogitis oh, yeah, disease. I was stumbling. The, the there. Re- I was, I was stumbling. <laughs> All of a sudden. Uh, but that's that's really important. And a natural reading. Now, here's a nat, you know what a natural reading produces? You say, how is this stuff possible? All this stuff is going to be happening. God is saying, hold off before it happens. I need to seal these people, they're going to be protected for my purpose. Uh, from our human point of view, it seems like craziness. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church, of course, uh, a Greek mentality with all their philosophers and all that. Man's wisdom is foolishness to God. Mm-hmm. And so some of these things that we're talking about in the book of Revelation, if you believe them, then people are going to call you foolish. I've heard it, I've heard it before. You could call me uh, foolish for other things. Fair enough. Not bright. I told you, I graduated in the top 10% of the lower <laughs> third of my class. But You only a, get to say that so many times a month. I, <laughs> I, 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 it's been a while. But I, the point here is that this is God's word, mm-hmm. not our word. And re- reading it in a natural way, it reminds me when Nehemiah, Ezra, they had the people, when they found the scripture again, and they were dedicating the temple, and they they read the text, the people stood, and they read that they didn't even have commentary. They let the word permeate the people. And I think sometimes that's that's important for us. Read the book of Revelation naturally. Mm-hmm. And at just as you described, 144,000, what's the result? Tell us, what's the result, Chris? Well, the result, because of this, these ones, we believe these are Jewish people who come to faith in, as Jesus, in Jesus the Messiah. And as a result of them coming to faith, God actually earlier on, and Paul, uh, God actually calls them earlier on um, his servants, 
he says uh, he called in a loud voice to the four angels who have been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land of the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So they were called to a task. We believe they become witnesses uh, for for the Messiah throughout the world during this very difficult time, the time of Jacob's trouble. 100%, but read verse 9. That, that's that's right. what happens. So because of that, after this I looked, so we're transitioning here, there's a transition that happens. After this I looked, and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so, Steve, you know, this again is imagery that goes back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the Son of Man given authority and power and dominion. We've talked about that appears a lot in the book of Revelation. And he's given authority of power and dominion over every nation and tribe and tongue and language, which is a picture here of exactly what Israel was supposed to do. Israel, Exodus 19, you will be a kingdom of priests. And I love the way God says this. He goes, the whole earth is mine. Everything is mine. But I'm choosing you to be a, 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 a treasured possession. You have a purpose. You're going to bring blessing to the world. You will be a kingdom of priests. And yet here is this moment where I think finally the Israel as a nation serves as that priesthood with Jesus the Messiah ruling, uh, uh, coming to rule. Because I noticed something that's interesting. In the tribal layout that's there, Levi is included in that tribal layout, where in the Old Testament, because of the events that took place in Israel's history— God had to choose it, Levi to be the priest, the priestly tribe. They didn't get an allotment in the land. Now they get an allotment in the land, which gives us the imagery that no longer is there a tribal, a, a, a priestly tribe. There's now a priestly nation here. It's amazing. And, you know, the contrast between verse 16 of chapter 6, which we read, and verse 10 of chapter 7, notice the wrath of the Lamb versus... He uh, uh, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So, the wrath of the Lamb, the salvation of the Lamb. Mm. The 144,000, salvation of the Lamb. The people who were not receiving him, judgment. The people who did from every tribe, kindred, nation, and tongue are saved. You, you know... Uh Yesterday, I was having a conversation with a colleague of ours about um, God in the Old Testament. And it's funny, because I'm sure you've heard this before, but people like to say, oh, the God of the Old Testament, he's angry, and he's bitter, and he's uh, jealous, and it comes across in the way he has wrath, and he pours his wrath out. And But you get to the God of the New Testament, and all of a sudden, it's love and compassion and mercy and grace. And the reality is, is that concept couldn't be further from the truth. And we see that mostly in the book of Revelation and a lot of the epistles as well, that yes, God is a God of salvation and love and compassion and mercy. We talk about that all the time. But on the other end, we see here the wrath of the Lamb. We see that judgment is coming. But then on the other side, we see the salvation of the Lamb. So God in the Old Testament is the same as the God in the New Testament. They are exactly the he same. He never changes. Never He's changes. the same always, today, tomorrow, and yesterday. Well, Steve, how do we want to wrap up chapter 7 here? I'll tell you, we need to read verse 12, because uh, I was looking at—I'm talking about commentaries. There's one that I called the Life Application Bible Commentary, uh, and it's very helpful. It gives—because the author of this particular commentary does present what different evangelicals might say, and even some scholars who are not believers, and I think it's helpful. So the verse says— uh, verse 12 saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power might be to our God forever and ever. What a what a praise. And so I looked at it, and it's interesting. There's a little section here that, call, that just says, praise the Lord. The angels and the four living creatures praise God by using the seven-part doxology or song of praise. It praises God's attributes. The song presents a complete and balanced picture of of the wonder and power of God. Today, take time to praise God using these seven attributes. Mm. So, blessing. Praise God for the profound happiness he gives. God gives happiness, mm -hmm. blessing. 
glory. Praise God for his moral perfection and splendor. Wisdom. Praise God for the wisdom of his plan of redemption. Thanksgiving. Thank God for pardoning sin. Honor. Attribute worth to God's uh, to God publicly for saving people. Power. Praise God for his power to act. Might. Thank God for his presence in past history and in current events. Those are great things to take out of the book of Revelation, certainly out of context, but trying to make it personal. We can take these things that the angels said, and we can incorporate them and in our prayer and thank God, praise him for who he is, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. What a what a great thought. Yep, the, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, as we were talking about. And you know what? As you wrap up Revelation chapter 7, that's just a great way to think about who our God is, the God that we worship. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Yes! Amen. You're Amen. there. I like it. I'm in. I am in. That's right. Okay, so next week we're going to pick up in Revelation chapter 8, but Steve... Well, keep that. Keep your Bible open because play the music. Wait, what, what music are we playing? For Wait, no, no, we got to do news. Oh, slow news uh, now. Ay, ay, we got, <laughs> ay, now we got to do slow. I, I was all jazzed up I with know. Praise. Hang on, hold on. Let me do this. I'm going to put my... There we go. Now we're good. All right. So uh, let's start with something. We're talking about praise and glory and honor to God. He made man who has a brain and who's used it. And for the first time, this comes from the Jerusalem Post, for the first time in Israel, breakthrough cancer treatment employed in Holon. The treatment involved the injection of radioactive substance called Oncosil into a patient diagnosed with advanced stage pancreatic cancer. Chris, this is this is God creating man with a brain. Sin has come. Part of sin is sickness and illness. Cancer is that awful C word and revolutionary in Israel. This is not early stages. This is advanced. There's some hope now for advanced stage pancreatic cancer. And if I, if I'm remember correctly, and, and maybe you can help me with this, but you know, there are certain cancers you hear and you go, okay, we can work through this in, in, in certain stages. But pancreatic cancer, I think, is one of those cancers where it spreads quickly. Very. And so this is big because it's a, a breakthrough in Israel. It's Israeli treatment. And actually, the thing that I was reading that's interesting too, Steve, is that it looks like the uh, the it says that the innovative treatment is approved by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a breakthrough technology and so for uh and so far about 250 cancer patients throughout Europe, Australia and New Zealand. So, you know, sometimes I we sometimes we promote things that Israel's doing because they do a lot of cancer treatment advancements and things like that. And it's funny cuz I'll get emails from people when I do it for the radio or whatever and they'll say, "Can you please tell me more about that treatment because I have family this that." Exactly. And usually it's I'm so sorry that's only in Israel. Well, this tech this innovative treatment is already been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and it's already in Europe, Australia, and New Zealand as well. So we could be seeing this more here as well. And, uh, the, uh, Aaron Israeli, who's the director at the Wolfson Medical Center, said the goal of the treatment is to shrink the tumor to such a size that it will be possible to perform surgery and resection of the tumor. This is the first time in Israel that the radioactive uh, medicinal substance uh, to treat cancerous tumor uh, into the target or, or organ. So this is great news, positive news. Doesn't mean they cured it, but it's another choice that people will have. Steve, can I do a shame, shame, shameless plug? Shameless yes. plug. Uh, for I was the, the one book. that told you to do it. I know, and the only reason I'm, you're, this is the reason I'm doing it is because you told me to do it. That's right. Uh, but it, I actually have a chapter in this book on Israeli technology and how it's blessed the world. So if you think it's amazing what they're doing with the, um, with the, uh, with the cancer treatment here, uh, I have a whole chapter dedicated to. Where does Israel even get this, uh, the concept of being a startup nation, creating innovation in health technology, agriculture, uh, computer technology, all of that stuff? So if you're interested, you can get Israel Always, a book that just got published by going to foi.org forward slash Israel Always. Shameless plug, shameless plug away. Good plug away. We want our people to get that book. Uh, this from the Jerusalem Post, Business Innovation. 
high dairy prices may rise up to 16% in May. Uh, have you gotten eggs around here recently? I was gonna. You took the words. It's terrible. It's. Cr- I mean, I went to normally. I you know we with the four horsemen of of the Katolka house. Up there's a dollar. Yeah, that's a dollar for that's for four, all of them. Four dollars. Four dollars. So for all of them, I you know we always get the big pack of eggs. You know the family pack. And, I know the family pack. And uh, it's usually five or six bucks for two of them. It was $17 a couple weeks ago. And I'm thinking, I don't even know if it's worth it. I could go get a steak down there for the amount of eggs. No, so. you haven't looked at the price of beef recently <laughs> either. So anyway, go ahead. But, I'm sorry. But part of this rise, there, part of this rise, and it's good for us to talk about it, there's uh, the law, the kosher laws, kashrut, it's mm-hmm. called. And it's become, it's not exclusively because of that. The dairy prices are going up. Uh, the article talks about the kashrut laws and the expense that it's taking. Uh, let's see. Biden called the finance minister, Bezeller Smotrich, to supply answers. I wanted to lower the price, and now I see that I, I have to stop the price from increasing. What's going on here? Biden said. Tell him that this is what came up in the discussion, and we want an answer. So they went down, and the increase is projected in spite of... A recent amendment by the Agriculture Ministry, which aimed to temper the overall price of dairy products in Israel. Uh, Can I? I just want to say it's not Biden. It's, it's Biden. Uh, that's with right. Yes, with a T. I, so it's East not. Coast, it's not President Biden. Yeah, Biden isn't going and it's getting involved Biden. in the dairy Biden. industry in Thank Israel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I need to pronounce Biden. I just wanted to. I could. I was getting confused. You could correct me. I need to be corrected. My life is one of correction. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, the, it says the high value added tax, 17% compared to 9% in other countries. I, that's that's one VAT tax. That's a whole discussion we can have. America hasn't gotten that yet. Uh, just wait a little while. 17% sales tax, 100% sales tax in Israel on new cars, Steve. 110. 110%. It's 110 so you go buy a forty thousand dollar car in Israel. You're spending. Uh, you're yeah. That that's mind blowing. Yep. Yep. A uh, kashrut, the increased attention to action required to ensure that dairy products produced in Israel are kosher, accounts between ten to fifteen percent of the gap in prices. Livestock feed, import of seeds, and livestock feed accounts for another significant portion of the higher dairy costs. Government subsidy. Dairy farmers in many other countries receive government support, but not in Israel. So that's why dairy is, uh, now that ta- we talk about the milchik and the fleshik. That's right. Milchik is dairy. And so you can't mix your meat with your milk. And dairy, is it, it's, uh, you know, J- Jewish people like their dairy, you know, the sour cream. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah you you got that with breakfast. Yeah, that's right. You that's know, uh, this should also be mentioned. This isn't in the news, but uh, Israel has actually just um, implemented new import standards to help with for the Israeli people lower the price of goods um, by allowing more imports to come in. And in fact, uh, one of that is not only in specific imports, but allowing certain companies to come in, too. Like Israel just opened a 7-Eleven. I you're kidding. Yep, me. they opened at 7-Eleven, and now you can. So they're they have such strict standards. What they noticed, and maybe you've seen this before, but Israelis fly to Europe, they fly to America, they spend thousands of dollars on brands that they want, and then they, they want bring a them slushy. Home. They want a slushy. That's exactly <laughs> right. And they want a slushy. They want one of those little pizza rolls, you know, <laughs> kosher pizza rolls. But no, in reality, I've seen uh, friends of ours, Steve. They come from Israel. They come to the states, and they go, "I'm going to buy an iPhone." Oh, great, buy an iPhone. They leave with an iPhone. They leave with an Apple MacBook Pro. They leave with all this stuff. What? What is it? You can't buy this in Israel for the amount that you spend. That's right. You know, you got, it's cheaper yeah, here. Added on all that tax and stuff like that. Yep, yep. So anyway, there's a lot happening economically with Israel right now. There is. And this, too, from the Jerusalem Post. Muslims help shut down protests, burning of Torah scroll 
in Sweden. This, Chris, uh, why this, don't you talk about this? Yeah, this is fascinating. A 34-year-old Egyptian writer submitted an application for a police permit to hold his demonstrations outside. And it says the foreign ministry announced on Thursday that it was able to cancel a planned demonstration in Sweden in front of the Israeli embassy in Stockholm, which was supposed to include the burning of a Torah scroll. Yet in a conversation with the Jerusalem Post, a Swedish-Israeli rabbi shared that it was actually the leadership from the local Swedish Muslim community that assisted in persuading the organizer to cancel the uh, the provocative act. So it was the Muslim community that actually stood up and said, you shouldn't be burning Taurus. This is big news to me. Uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for Israel My Glory about the difficulty in Sweden uh, that Muslims weren't trying to uh, become part of the culture and how separated they were and how anti-Semitic uh, they had anti-Semitism uh, issues in Sweden. And so when I saw this headline, this was a good thing that that they were able to mediate and prevent uh, something like that because that would have uh, not good. It wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't have been good. It, the reality on the ground is, though, is that anti-Semitism in Europe is still out of control. It, I mean, we're talking about p- Jewish people in France who are scared to wear a kippah. And they're buying property in Israel just in case it gets. To, I mean, how much worse? Look, worse you it look can for get. little victories. That's what you look for. Mm-hmm. Little blessings. It, it, little praises. That's right. Exact. Okay, good. I like what you did there. Here we go, everybody. Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day. Steve with the the gift of just blending together the various <laughs> segments that we have. Not so subtle. Oh, you're you're well, good. In chapter seven, we we talked about the blessing, the praises that came from the angels. Well, we have a Yiddish word for praise, and I've never used it before, but I'm going to try to. It's called loib. 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 Not Lloyd, but loib. Loib. That means praise. L-O-I-B. Praise. So next time I say praise the Lord, I say loib the Lord. Loib the Lord. Loib the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's our Yiddish word of the day. Hey, you know, honestly, the big thing about Revelation, Steve, is ultimately, in the end, all praise, honor, and glory Go to all God. All loib to him. All loib to him. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, and all will give loib to the Lord. That is fantastic. That's our new thing. That's we're putting it up uh, on the... Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a verse. Oh, we could do a t-shirt. Loib the Lord. Loib the Lord. <laughs> I love it, everybody. That's our Yiddish word of the day. Hey, you know what? Thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. What a fantastic time we had studying through the book of Revelation, looking at various news articles. Hey, thanks to Emily Stone for writing... Did you know? Did you know? We love it. Yeah, we love it. Hey, listen, we want to encourage you to go to foiequip.org. That's who sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. Be sure to check out one of our live classes. We have the Life of a Jewish Believer Roundtable, where we're going to have Steve and Larna and Mitch and Eva and Fred, all Jewish believers coming to share about their life how they came to faith in the Lord Jesus, and what it means to follow the Lord as a Jewish believer. You can register at foiequip.org. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, we'll see you next week. Life the Lord! (laughs) 